Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Come on, church, who loves Jesus today? What's going on? That's it. Who else loves Jesus? Anybody on this side over here? There's some people up there, some radicals in the balcony. Okay, all right, okay. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, we did have an absolutely amazing, an amazing weekend. Uh, I just want to personally say thank you to all of the volunteers that worked this weekend. Uh, you guys absolutely crushed it. You were amazing. Uh, you were a finely tuned machine. There were things this building has never looked or smelled so good. And um, honestly, I, I, to go through all of the names, I think, would take the whole service to, to, to thank everyone. But uh, the, the team here uh, with Donna, Amber, and the staff, and everybody else, you guys did a phenomenal job. And I'm honestly kind of blown away. I really am. I'm sort of overwhelmed and blown away at the excellence and the sacrifice and the spirit. So will you please thank them for all their hard work this weekend. Um, so not to reiterate a bunch of announcements, but it is uh, heart for the house season. If you've never been in that season, we do take that once a year offering. This year we'll be going through what we're going to try to use the offering for. Um, there's some stuff we want to do in the community, but there's stuff also on the property. And we'll go through all of that. But for those of you who have been through Heart for the House offerings in the past, begin to pray about what the Lord would have you give this year. And 100% of that offering goes into stuff that we actually can tangibly put our hands on that helps us to accelerate what God is doing. I believe that we're in a season of acceleration. I believe that God wants to accelerate the vision. I believe he does that with, with finances, of course, but how many of you know he also does it with prayer? He does it with people. He does it with the spirit and the atmosphere. So God's good. Uh, young adults, young professionals, you're going to have a great meeting. If you're in your 20s or 30s, don't miss YP. Uh, I believe something special is happening there. I believe that in many ways you are the engine of the church. Um, I'm, I'm a little older now. I feel like one of the wheels, one of the used tires. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on. You guys are moving so fast. The, I, I keep praying, slow down. I'm your leader. And um, but God's good. So YPs don't miss. And then tonight there's no youth. Uh, so I want to take, take just a second here uh, to introduce our speaker. Uh, one of the things, the verse that God gave me over the weekend was this little, little tiny verse in the introduction of Ephesians. And this is what I felt like happened over the weekend. And he says this in verse 3 of Ephesians 1. He says, praise be to the Lord God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, everyone say blessed us, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. So praise be to the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, say blessed us, in, in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. As I went through the weekend, I really felt blessed. And I didn't just feel blessed like, hey, you know, we're all working hard, God's good. You know, I felt a heavenly realm blessing. And that's a little different than normal blessing. I, I really felt like we tapped into something this weekend. And even this morning in worship, I felt um, the heavenly realms opening up just a little bit over us, and it was a little different. 
So there's a blessing that comes from the heavenly realms. And one of the, the key components of that this weekend was our guest. Now, I've known our guest for a long time. The word that she brought, the word she brought this morning uh, at, at the 8 a.m. traditional service was absolutely phenomenal. But she's tapped into the blessing or tapped into the realm that I think our church is in right now, which is growth and understanding and family and, and revival. She was a part of that this weekend. Uh, I've known her a long time. Her family, <clears throat> when I was in Bible college, I followed their family and modeled my ministry and some of who I am after her father. Uh, she co-pastors uh, right now with her dad. She team teaches. She also preaches and teaches in women's conferences all over the country. She's um, a very, a very sincere, a very loving, passionate Bible, Bible person. Like she's committed to the word. The word's not something she carries in her hand. It's something that she's always carried in her heart. And it changes how you deliver the word. But uh, someone that uh, I was a little older, I was a youth pastor, and then I, I followed her family. I met her when she was a young adult and watched what God has done through her and her husband, Ben, who also pastors in the church. He's actually a, a full-time firefighter and a leader in the community, and his job and his career has allowed him to actually take some time and pastor while he's also at a high level at what he does. This couple's a very, a very special couple. They, they have a lot of uh, very incredible, spiritually mature things that just happen in them and around them all the time. I, I really do love these guys, and we're so blessed to have them here this weekend. Pastor Jerusha brought a word that I believe came from the heavenly realms to bless us, and I feel like I've been in that for three days. And so I'll be quiet. I'm done. But I need you to do me a favor, okay? A wonderful friend of this house. Can you please, this morning, can you stand to your feet and clap super loud and shout a little bit for Pastor Jerusha Tanner? Good morning, beautiful Pearl Church. It is an honor to be with you. Uh, I got to say, I want to say some things about Pastor Doug and Donna in a minute, but I have to say, like, for me, this is a bucket list thing. Um, I don't think there's anyone in the world who I admire and look up to more than Pastors Doug and Donna, and to be given the honor of speaking preaching in your pulpit is, it's wow. So, uh, so you know, I'm just going to have a fangirl moment up here the whole service, and you can just enjoy it, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Um, this morning when I was thinking about what I wanted to say about you, there's so many things I could say about you guys, but God actually kind of gave me a prophetic word, so I'm going to honor you via a prophetic word. <laughs> but Pastor Doug, uh, I believe that God positioned you to be a Joshua. And when I think about you, there's this amazing anointing on you that you walked with the Moses generation. You actually walked out of slavery. You actually wandered in the wilderness. But the wilderness was actually pretty awesome. And Joshua had to be in the wilderness to get what he needed for the promised land. And I believe that uh, you got 
everything you needed in that season. And you saw some significant miracles that are going to be necessary to see miracles at another level. And, uh, and one of the best gifts I feel like I can give anyone is I think the greatest story in the Bible outside of anything about Jesus is the one where Joshua tells the son to stand still. And it indeed does that. And I believe that you are a sun standstill anointed man. And uh, you are not just going to enter the promise, but you are in that season of entering the promise. And I see God giving you not just a city, but I see him giving you cities. So I bless you with that. I honor you. I esteem you. I, You guys, I've honored you since... I first saw you when I think I was 18 years old, and you guys are everything anyone in ministry should want to be is you guys. And Pastor Donna, uh, when I was just thinking about you and all of what I said about him, it's for you. But I actually got a really specific story for you, and it's Caleb's daughter. And Caleb's daughter, she gets an inheritance, but what she gets isn't enough. And so she tells her husband, hey, go ask for this for me. But then something really cool happens. She asks for it. She tells her husband to do it. And then I don't think he was getting the job done right. And so she steps in and she's like, I don't just want what you promised me. I actually want the lower and the upper springs. And I just, I sense two things for you. The first thing is ask. And it may seem like you already have everything you need, but I just, I believe God just wanted me to invite you this morning to ask. And then the other thing I just felt so strongly is he's given you both the upper and the lower springs. And there are very few people in the world who are anointed for both worship and the word. But there's, there's this upper springs and lower springs anointing on you. And you're supposed to not give up one to do the other. And both the springs are supposed to be operating in your life. And so I just, I bless, I bless you guys. I love you guys. I honor you guys. Um, I thank God for you guys. Uh, you guys came into my life when I honestly needed a friend. <laughs> like a real friend, a ministry friend. And I, I just honor you. So I'm going to stop talking so I don't cry. Okay, so this morning, Pearl Church, God has a word for you. And I don't know why he decided a Portland girl was going to give it to you. So here I am with a word from the Lord. And that feels really strong to say, but I can't say it any other way. I, I just sense this. It's like burning in me like my bones are actually going to shrivel up and die if I don't give you this word. So this morning I want to talk about the best is yet to come. And uh, this year, I had the privilege of being in Ohio, and when I was in Ohio, I got to go to Charles Finney's church, the church he preached in, and it's not even being used for the glory of God. A church that doesn't believe in Jesus is there right now. And I walked into the room, this empty, beautiful, gorgeous church, and the presence of God was just, it was there. And then I got to stand at his pulpit, and yeah, I, t I had them take 100 pictures, maybe 200 pictures. And every single one, I'm like this. And I mean, these are so stupid. Where am I going to put these? I'm like, I was having a fangirl moment. I, like, I even, like, touched his Bible. And I'm just like, Lord, just let that revival anointing rub off on me, Jesus. And while I was there, I'm just, I'm just sensing 
God, you want to move here again. Right? And, and there's a cry in our hearts as believers. We want God to move in revival. We want him to move again. And I'm a student of revival. When I was a little 12-year-old girl, I had my dad buy me all these obscure books about the Welsh revival. I was obsessed with it. I was convinced that I was going to be part of a junior high revival that was going to happen in the world. I think I just got a little early. I am still convinced I will stand on the earth and see revival. That heart has not died. But you know what? It's so easy to do when we have a heart for revival, when we have a heart for God to move. We see what God wants to do now as looking exactly like what happened then. But can I tell you, the past is not supposed to be something that we try to model. The past is supposed to be something that we see and we look at and we ask God, how are we supposed to bring what you did then? How are we supposed to see it happen and released in our day, in our time? And my husband and I, we were having this conversation. It seems like people are either past dwellers and they're not able to connect it to now, or they're future dwellers, and they're not able to honor the past. And I believe what God is doing, it's going to require us to see and celebrate what God did in the past, and then say, God, do that thing, but better. Do that thing, but more. Do that thing, but different. God, take us to that place you have for us in our day and time. And I believe, Pearl Church, God has positioned you even in this place at this time. And he would say to you, your best is yet to come. It's not just about even getting in this building. I feel like he would actually say to you, you ain't seen nothing yet. I think he would say to this physical ground that you're on, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just getting started with what I'm going to do in the city of Denver through the Pearl Church. So if you would, would you open in your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2. Good luck finding it. I barely found it to preach it, okay? So uh, it's somewhere. It's in the Minor Prophets. I'm not going to give you a rundown because that would just be embarrassing and you'd question my Greek degree, as I do every time I try to find a Minor Prophet. Uh, just a little bit of context on Haggai. Uh, Haggai is written about 70 years after the children of Israel have been put into exile. Right? They've been taken from the land. They don't have a place to worship. Some of them become slaves. Some of them get put into places of power, right? People like Daniel, they, they actually kind of thrive there. But God, at this time, 70 years later, he's sending a remnant back to Israel. And Haggai and Zechariah they're the ones who prophesied it and said, hey, when you go back there, this is what needs to happen. The book of Haggai is four different sermons. Isn't that amazing? Kind of cool to think about it. It's not just a chapter. He literally gave these as a sermon. That kind of gets me excited. I wish that I could have heard him deliver these words. And the first chapter, he's telling the children of Israel, you're in big trouble. 
That's not a great sermon. What if that was my sermon today? Hey guys, I'm just here to tell you God's mad. You'd be like, please don't ever have her speak ever again. Nobody wants to hear that. The children of Israel didn't love it. But he said, here's the thing. You went home and you built your house. You built your career. And the house of God lays in ruins. You know what? I think that's a word for the church in America. People of God, not you guys, you're perfect, you're amazing. But other churches, the ones down the street, you've worried about your career, your future, your house, and my house. It's not being the life changing seat of revival I've created it to be. And that's what he told Haggai. And so the children of Israel, because they just got a sermon that said, hey, you're bad, they respond, which is really cool. Like we like it when they respond because a lot in the Old Testament, they don't respond and it goes really bad. And so they start building God's house. But they get really discouraged. And they lose hope because the house they're building doesn't look like the original house. The original house was amazing. The original house was awesome. And this feels like the shadow of that. And so this is what our guy Haggai says. This is a good sermon. Don't worry. You're going to like it. He says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, you might be thinking, why do we care when this happens? Do you ever feel that way when you read dates in the Bible? Dates and names, I'm like, why are you even in here? Genealogies, ugh, right? The worst. The only genealogy I think worth reading is the one in Matthew. But I know they're significant. They matter, whatever. I, it's not for me. If it's for you, God bless you. You're an incredible Christian. But um, it's not for me. But... This actually matters. The reason they're telling us this is because this is happening during the Feast of Tabernacles. And I think we should bring back the Feast of Tabernacles. And here's why. Seven days of camping outside of the church. Your own tent. Okay, don't worry. You don't have to share the tent with the person sitting next to you. Uh, and you just camp. And while you're in these tents, they preach, which is my best life ever. Some of you are like, Sunday's good. And if you go over 30 minutes, I'm done. Actually, if you go over 20 minutes, I'm already taking a nap. Okay, have you guys ever seen the people who sleep in church? Like, my whole goal when I preach and I see somebody sleeping is to talk loud enough that I wake them up. It's so fun. But again... That's not anyone in here because you guys are next level Christians. That only happens in Portland. But while they're in these tents, this amazing thing happens. They actually start remembering all that God has done. We can't go... Where God is calling us to go, Pearl Church, you can't go where God is calling you to go unless you remember all that God has done. Because sometimes when we're walking and moving into the future, 
promises here. Remember, and you know what they're doing? They're like, hey, remember when God brought us through the Red Sea? Come on, somebody. My faith starts rising when I think God brought me through the Red Sea. They start thinking, hey, remember when God fed us from manna from heaven? Don't you think God is able to provide exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can even ask or think? So he's preaching a message in that context. I want, I want to go to that. Maybe we need to bring it back, right? Pastor Doug, a new event, Feast of the Tabernacles. Nobody's going to be weirded out by that at all, right? Not at all. It's like when we sing songs in church that talk about the lamb slain. I get it. I grew up in church. The person next to me is like, you kill lambs? Like, what's going on here? Okay, so... That really had nothing to do with anything. I'm so sorry. I squirrel really bad. Okay, so here we go. Speak to Zerubbabel. Okay, this is really cool. This one's for free for anybody who cares. Zerubbabel is a descendant of David. And you know what happens whenever you see David in scripture and a descendant of David? You know what you're actually supposed to think as the awesome biblical scholars that you are who have both the Old Testament and the New Testament, you're supposed to say, Jesus. You're pointing all the way to Jesus, our one true king. And Joshua, and to the remnant of the people. And this morning, God's talking to you, Pearl Church. He's talking to the pastors. He's talking to the leaders. He's talking to the remnant. And he's saying, hear the word of the Lord. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? And I'm not just talking metaphorically right now, okay? This is for reals. Who saw this house in its former glory? I heard they would have police officers working the corners because so many people piled into this place to hear the word of the Lord. How does it look to you now? It looks pretty good, but again, you're just getting started. You haven't seen anything yet. Doesn't it seem to you like nothing by comparison? Even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. This is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. And I believe as you guys give yourself to doing what God is doing here at the Pearl Church and you're obedient to bring your beautiful history with you and carry this beautiful church into the future, I believe God would come to you this morning and he would say to you, be strong. And whenever we hear that phrase, be strong, we can instantly drop ourselves into the context of Joshua. Moses has just passed away. Can you imagine being the number two to Moses, the greatest man who ever lived outside of Jesus? And now he's gone. And you're the man or the woman. I feel like I would be scared out of my mind. I'm going to mess this up. I mean, Moses hit the rock. I'm going to hit some people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd be scared out of my mind. And what does God do? He comes to Joshua and he says this, be strong, be courageous. I've got your back. Wherever the soles 
of your feet tread, it's going to be given to you. And I believe so strongly this morning that God comes to you, Pearl Church, and he says out over you, be strong and courageous. You're not just standing at the line getting ready to enter the promise. You are entering the promise and every place the soles of your feet touch, it is going to be given to you. You're going to think it's silly. You're going to think it's crazy how God opens up doors, how God opens up cities, how God opens up finances, how God opens up people. You're going to think it's crazy. And you might be sitting here thinking, oh, that's just for the church. It's not just for the church. Business people, you will be surprised at how God does deal after deal after deal. Some of you, you need to start expecting. You're headed for a millionaire lifestyle. Why? Because right now God comes to you and he says, be strong, be courageous. Why? Because he's got us. I don't have to be strong in my own strength. I don't have to be courageous in my own strength. I just lean into him and I say, God, where are you sending me? How am I supposed to get there? And it's crazy. He does it. And we remember, remember how he did that. He's going to do this too. It goes on and it says this. I know you guys are really excited about this next one. Work. It has an exclamation point. Anybody in here text with only exclamation points? I do, and people don't like it, and so they're always, and I'm like, but I really talk in exclamation points. I'm not being dishonest, but they're like, my husband's like, use a period every once in a while, like, you know, a comma maybe, and I'm like, one word, exclamation point, three words, exclamation point, five words, exclamation point, ten words. I went too many without an exclamation point. Work, for I am with you, the declaration of the Lord of armies. I love this name for God. He is in charge of armies. How do you think all of this is going to happen? The God who doesn't just rule the universe, but who has armies at his command, anything is possible for him. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. I believe the word of the Lord to you this morning is work. (laughs) You're like, okay, now we're back to the part where we don't like you. I know, it's fine. When I was five years old, I got a call from God to preach. When I was five years old, it was a little bit longer ago than I'd care to admit, women didn't preach. But I knew I was called to preach. So my cousins would come over and I'd make them be my audience. And they'd be like, well, we want to do things in service too. And I'm like, no, only I do things in service. But you can give me an offering. <laughs> I was, I, I, and I literally, I would literally take their money. And they would give it to me. <laughs> jokes on them. So, you might think, well then, somebody asked you to come speak for them, right? Nope. It's not what happened. I was a 12-year-old girl in her bedroom writing a sermon on the circumcision at Gilgal. (laughs) 
It was a really good sermon that I never got to give. My dad suggested to me that maybe no one wanted to hear a sermon on circumcision from me, which I found to be really not PC at all, right? Women should be able to preach on circumcision. No, they shouldn't. Okay, so moving along. I never preached that sermon. I had a notebook full of sermons I never preached. You know what my first sermon was? The announcements. You know what my second sermon was? Working in our kids' ministry for over a decade, no one ever knowing that I could preach. Can I tell you how I got to preach? I practiced promise. God, you told me I'm going to be a preacher. So do you know there is no opportunity to preach that I have ever turned down except for one, and that's only because God told me I couldn't take it, probably because he was trying to work character in me. I said yes to everything. I said yes to running the kids' ministry when the five other women who wanted to be pastors said no because it wasn't a good job in their opinion. I said yes to preaching to 10 high schoolers. I said yes to every small group ever put in front of me and I viewed every single time I spoke, whether it was one minute, 10 minutes or 40 minutes as the very word of God needing to come from my mouth. So I prepared, I prepared for everything. I would have 20 minutes worth ready for the announcements and I learned how to preach. You want the promise of God. I want the promise of God. But you know what? We often think God's just going to do it for us. He's just going to show up. It's going to be easy. And this morning he says, I have promises for you, Pearl, that you can't even imagine. You can't even begin to wrap your mind about the great things I want to do here at the Pearl. But the word that goes along with that word is this, work. Get to work. It doesn't matter if you see a room full of lighting equipment and just getting the lighting equipment out of the room to redo the room feels like work. Work. It doesn't matter if what's in front of you, it feels so impossible. It feels so crazy. What are we even going to do with the million and a half rooms in this building? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do right now. You're going to work. And you know what's going to happen as you work? You're going to see promise after promise after promise fulfilled. And I'm not just talking promises that have been prophesied over Pastor Doug and Pastor Donna, although you will see that. You're going to see promise after promise that has been spoken over this place fulfilled. And can I tell you, it's not by accident that you're here. God actually searched the world. And what, 10, 11 years ago, he said, Pastors Doug and Donna, they're the ones. I'm going to send them to the city of Denver. They don't even know it, but I'm positioning their life. And you know how Pastors Doug and Donna got here? They practiced promise. When it looked hopeless, 
when it looked discouraging, they kept practicing promise. And God has positioned all of you because he knows you're able to work. So your word today is get to work. It's awesome, isn't it? You're like, wow. I actually really like working. My husband and I, we just sold our house. So, of course, we had a week of, like, the hardest work ever to get it ready to sell. It was my favorite week. I was, like, exhausted. But I also, sometimes just physical work is amazing, right? Get to work, Pearl. Get to work. Okay. Verse 6. For the Lord of armies says this. Once more in a little while. Can I translate that for you? Soon. Do you ever wonder why the Bible says 10 words when it could say one? I wonder that often, right? There should be a condensed version for non-readers. I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come. You seeing that? It's like God's piggy bank is a globe. And he's shaking it, and out is pouring the resources of heaven. Y'all better get ready. Resources are coming. And resources, they're not just money. I actually think the most powerful resource is people. Resources are coming. God is shaking everything up to get who you need here, to get what you need here. And you know what's amazing? When God's house is taken care of, your house gets taken care of. Resources don't just come here and you guys get left out. When the resources are in the storehouse, the whole church gets blessed. I will fill this house with glory. I'm going to read that again. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver, the gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the, Lord's, of the Lord of armies. The final glory of this house will be greater than the first. Looking at the past, honoring the past, pulling it into the future, saying, Jesus, What does that look like now? The final glory of this house will be greater. That's a promise. Says the Lord of armies, I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. And I believe, Pearl Church, that God would come to you today and he would say, expect. Expect greater Expect the silver and the gold, money. Expect resources. But I actually think there's something else you need to expect. See, you could build an incredible church with incredible ministries, incredible people, and God's presence still not be here. But it says the glory of this house is going to be greater 
than the glory of the former house where God visits, he visits Again, God's glory has been in this place. This house has been marked by the presence of God. And just like I started, I think you need to start getting an understanding. We haven't seen anything yet. This house is going to be marked and known as a house of God's presence. And just like Moses, right? After the golden calf incident and God seems angry with the children of Israel and Moses says, God, don't take us from here unless your presence goes. He asks for the whole people and God says, yeah, I'm going to go with you. And then he says, now I'm going to show you what that looks like. And he hides Moses in a rock and his glory passes by Moses. His kindness passes by Moses. His compassion passes by Moses. His grace passes by Moses. And he sees what the presence is. See, the presence isn't a feeling. The presence... It's like yesterday when I was a hot mess because my body hadn't acclimated to Denver and I preached and then I was a bigger hot mess and then I ended up in the ER with some IVs that were very amazing, by the way. <laughs> and I come home, well, to the hotel, and I'm totally embarrassed. I feel like a failure because I'm like, I preached and then I... And my husband wraps me in his arms and he lets me cry. Now, for some of you guys, you're like, I don't know if I like that picture. He wants to come and he wants to be close to us. He wants to know us. He wants us to know him, to experience him. This isn't a goosebumps, shake around, lay on the floor kind of thing. This is the abiding presence of God that doesn't leave, that doesn't go anywhere. It's here when we arrive. It goes with us when we go. We're taking it to work. We're taking it everywhere with us. And we're telling him, God, unless your presence is with us, we don't want the promise. Unless your presence is with us. We don't want the stuff unless your presence is with us. We don't want the resources unless your presence is with us. We don't want to take a step. You need to expect the presence, the glory of this house is going to be greater than the glory of the original house. But God comes to you today and he says, I'm inviting you, wow, to be people of my presence. Some of you are going to get annoyed because you're going to have to wake up at 4 a.m., not to tell people you wake up at 4 a.m. and do your devotions. Nobody likes that person. I've never met anyone who, I'm like, okay, way to be spiritual. 
But you're going to find yourself doing that. Why? Because you're going to say, God, unless your presence goes with me, I don't even want to go to work. Unless your presence goes with me, I don't even want to raise my kids. Unless your presence goes with me, God, I don't want to take a step. I don't want to get in my car, Jesus, unless your presence goes with me. And the beautiful thing is this isn't something just for the leaders, the pastors. This house is going to be marked by the presence of God. Your kids are going to be marked by the presence of God. Your grandparents are going to be marked by the presence of God. That's what this house is going to be known for. Unless your presence goes with us, God. Unless your presence goes with us, God, we don't want to take a breath. Unless your presence goes with us, God, we don't want to make a move. Unless your presence goes with us, God, we don't want to build a ministry, God. Unless your presence goes with us, we don't want to lay a stone. Unless your presence goes with us. I don't know if you hear it. I'm doing my best to convey it. But the Lord of armies is in your midst today and he's extending an invitation and he's saying, won't you be close? Some of you have been far away. Won't you come close? Won't you come back? Some of you have been going through the motions. You've been doing all the right things. But his presence hasn't been in it. Come back. Come get close. He's here. He's in this place. Come. Come get close. And there's just going to be this beautiful thing that happens as you work going to look like this. It's like me and my husband. We'll be holding hands and we'll each have a paintbrush and we'll paint. Right? That's what it's going to look like. You're going to be doing all the work he's called you to do, but your hand is going to be in the hand of the Lord of armies. He's going to do everything with you. I want to end with this and then just a few words. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 21? This is such a beautiful picture of what's about to happen. Revelation is easy to find. It's the last book. So I thought I'd give you a hard one and an easy one so you don't totally hate me. Thank goodness church isn't a test, right? We'd all fail. <laughs> I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. See, God himself uses this picture of coming close. Then I heard a loud voice 
from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne says this, Pearl Church, look, I am making everything new. The glory of this house is going to be greater than the glory of that house. It's awesome and beautiful and amazing as it was. The glory of this house is going to be greater than the glory of that house. You might say, why is she still saying it? Because I need to get this in your spirits. God needs to get this in your spirits. The glory of this house is going to be greater. The glory of this house is going to be greater. And it's not you. And you guys... You're beautiful, you're spectacular, you're some of the best people on the planet, but it's not you. It's what you carry, it's what you treasure. Jesus, we're just inviting you into this place. Right now, something is happening. Even in the spirit, something is happening. You are calling hearts. You're calling minds. Come close. Come close. Come close. The cry of this people is going to be, unless your presence goes with us, God, don't let us even take a breath. Don't let us even take a move unless your presence goes with us. Oh, you're going to be marked by the presence of God. You're going to be changed by the presence of God. Some of you, you're going to find yourself talking different. You're going to think different. You're going to raise your kids different. Oh, there's going to be a cry in your heart that says, God, all we want is your presence. All we want is your presence, God. Oh, do you hear the hunger? Do you hear the longing in the room? Oh, we long for your presence, God. We don't even want to take a breath. We don't want to even think a thought. We don't want to take a step. Oh, unless your presence is with us, God. We want to be close. Jesus, we want to be close. Jesus, your presence. We long for you, God. We long for you, God. 
Just begin to lift up your voice. Just let a longing for his presence just begin to flow out of you. Oh, we long for you, God. Oh, you're what we hunger for. You're what we thirst for.